Well, Dolan's had a little bit more than a little carbonation. His was pretty bubbly. His was that bubbly. Have been, mm. Could have been the pour. That was the pour. Pour, pour. Pour, pour. <laughs> Inspired by the adventures of our nurses, therapists, and techs, A Beer with Atlas is the only healthcare-traveling, craft-beer-drinking podcast. Each week, we'll open a few beers, talk about the brewery and the style of beer, and then dive into some research curated specifically for each episode. In the end, we hope each one sounds like a conversation you'd have with your friends while enjoying a few cold ones. Welcome to a festive episode of A Beer with Atlas. I'm Rich. Oh, I'm Brian. (laughs) This week, week one of Oktoberfest possibly one of my favorite beer times of the year i like that there's multiple choices and that this is just maybe possibly one of your favorites okay yes i'm down for that yeah so first up this week out of four oktoberfest from goose island okay and the only reason why i chose this is we just did sam adams yeah we did this is the second soonest one that i could find in the stores now that makes sense yeah so Nothing special. Otherwise, I mean, I've, I, I enjoy me some Goose Island. I like Chicago, and and so I figured let's give a shot to their, uh, to their October yeah, here. Yeah, I think we need, we need each one of these. We brought some uh, special glassware in today. I think, yeah, I had, I thought I had three of these. I dug through to find these three Oktoberfest mm-hmm. uh, mugs, and then the process of hunting i ended up finding about four more that i didn't remember i've had so i don't need to buy any more of these no but i probably will so i'm just i'm fascinated as you're pouring here i'm fascinated by the whole oktoberfest thing like where it came from and i hope as you know we get through these four different episodes yeah that you talk about that a little bit so i learn a little bit about that yeah we'll we'll we're not getting to that today, I can tell you that. Okay, okay. But, but we have a little bit a little bit for us, a some tidbits. Bit. Uh, Dolan, I'm going to pour this all in here for you, okay, buddy? Okay, Dolan, sounds you, good. You think you can handle a whole beer? I can handle, um, yeah. Okay. We'll see. We we'll just, yeah, yes. If it's not working, we'll take it away from you. You got some foaming foam going yeah, on there. Yeah, that was a bad pour. Yeah, it looks like one of my pours. Because I'm using my left hand. There we go. I think that's what it is. So I'll give you a little bit of background here. There isn't a ton of information online. Why do you think that is, Rich? Mm, maybe because of who owns them now. Oh, what? Yeah. But we'll get to that part, too. Okay. So Goose Island Beer Company is brewed in Chicago, still brewed in Chicago, Illinois. So where it was, where it all started for them, um, they opened a single brew pub in 1988 in Lincoln Park. So if you're familiar with Chicago... The very first uh, Goose Island was in Lincoln Park. Is that where the uh, fountain is from? The Married with Children, yeah. I believe, yes. yeah. Okay. Lincoln, Lincoln Park, Park Zoo. Remember the Lincoln Park Zoo? Yes. Is, it, is it the same Lincoln Park, you know, the hide Not your kids, the, hide your wife? Uh, the band? No, no the no. guy, the meme guy. The meme guy, hide your kids, hide your wife. Is that from Lincoln Park? Yeah, <laughs> he said everybody out here in Lincoln Park is... Maybe. Could be. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to do some research on that. Oh, I figured yeah. you were instantly going for the band thing, Dolan. And no. That's, that's where you were going. No. So, so R.I.P. Chester. <sighs> that's true. Okay. So founded by John Hall, he went on a trip to Europe and drank a whole bunch of different beers and thought, you know what? We need this in America. And so he, he started with his brother. His brother, uh, Greg, was the head brewmaster who left... 
shortly after the uh, the sale that we'll talk about here at some point. So I don't want nice. this to be the focus of it at oh, all. Boy. I really don't because I really do enjoy Goose Island okay. beers a lot. But I mean, it is it is something that we will talk. Hey, it's about. part of the facts, right? Yeah, exactly. So his original intent, and I and I love this about him. His original intent was to be Chicago's beer. Yeah, that's it. He just wanted to be Chicago's beer. Well, you know what? It's what the second biggest city in the United States is, is it? it? Yeah, second or third. That's a pretty big goal, I would say. You got the you got the best baseball team in the world playing there. So. The White Sox do play there. Oh gosh, <laughs> zing! <laughs> um, you know, it's not like they said I'll be Valentine, Nebraska's best beer. They said, you know what? Let's go for Chicago. Chicago, the windy city. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're drinking this. Okay, mm-hmm. come on, Dolan. We might as well as I as I talk through some of this because there's a fun fact about this. After we get into it, this is a nice. Lightly sweet, light, yeah. malty in color. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not unpleasant. Nope, I could, I could drink. I a could lot drink of this. a lot of that too. Yeah. Yeah. What's the uh, twenty-three IBUs, five point seven yeah. uh, ABV? Pretty so, standard fare, but boy, yep. this is approachable for everybody. It's yep. got that just a little bit of sweetness that mm-hmm. might get a non-beer drinker to enjoy that one. There's a little bitterness at the end, just a little bit. You can you can feel it. Yeah. What, you know what's kind of scary? Sorry, Dolan. This this would be what some people consider a dark beer. They would be like, oh, I don't drink dark beer because look, it doesn't look like a normal beer. Because it's so caramely colored. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That could scare some folks. It could. Do not let that scare you away from no. from an Oktoberfest. Because so during as my beer journey started, um, it was about this time of year anyway, and I thought I don't like dark beers. We've gone through this before. Like I don't. Yeah. That was my mindset or whatever. And for whatever reason, I gave it a chance. And it was the Sam Adams Oktoberfest. It was just the first one, and it's on tap everywhere. And I'm sure if you're in Chicago or you're anywhere in the you know northern part of the country, Goose Island Oktoberfest will be on as well. Yeah, I would think you're right. What you got, Dolan? I'm wondering what's giving it, like, is it a spice flavor? Like, you can smell it, and it's definitely there in the aftertaste. Is that the Marsden? Is that what the... That's the style. The style? That's the yep. style of beer, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's probably the malt is what you're getting. It's like a roasted yeah. Yeah, it's that's probably I don't know. It was, it was different. That was something I noticed right away. I love Oktoberfest beers. Man. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. Here's uh here's a little fun fact. Okay. One of one of my favorite actresses in uh in uh, from TV was a hostess at the original Goose Island brew house, brew pub, whatever. Yeah. Uh, when she was in college, she was on the X Files. They have a beer. They have two beers named after her. Really? One's called Jillian, and the other is called Scully. Really, I did yep. not know that. Jillian Anderson was a hostess there. Now she claims that she doesn't remember when she worked there, but she worked a lot of different places, and she was just going to school. But if you ask, if you ask John Hall, he definitely remembers because. With Jillian Anderson. Kind of, is that creepy? I don't know if that's creepy because this is pre-fame. I, this is some college girl. Well, I love you. I got two beers named after you. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I feel like isn't she a little bit older? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this opened when eighty what eighty eight? I don't know. It was. It, I, don't I verified know if the math checks it. Out. I verified it on an, with an. There was an article. Okay. Was that, that Wikipedia? Was, 
It was not Wikipedia. So oh, okay. it, so it was on Wikipedia originally. I thought, okay, sure. let's, let's go check source, this out. Yeah. And so if you, I mean, if you Google Jillian Anderson Goose Island, hmm. you get multiple articles about her working there. I didn't know she was from that area. Or went, she, where she, she go to school? Northwestern? Uh, she went to school up around, I don't remember. I think that's right, but I don't remember. Mm, okay. So brewery is built in 1995 and has since doubled its size. Uh, I, I thought this is fascinating now. So currently... Uh, the packaging line can bottle 500 cases per hour. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's more than some breweries are mm. making in like a year. <laughs> in a year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The keg line can do 50 kegs per hour. 50 kegs per hour. So that means it's just over a minute per keg. That, I mean, that, up. the amount of volume that they have is incredible mm-hmm. just to be able to do that i mean let alone actually make it happen but to have the product to do that crazy i wonder how how are you filling kegs that fast because if i pour my beer too fast there's foam everywhere how mm-hmm. are you filling a keg that fast controlled environment i mean i, I guess is it probably just very carefully just that's it and it's, i'm sure it's a mess yeah. i'm sure there's a little bit of spillage mm-hmm. Probably a lot. A sticky. Ooh, I would not want to have to clean that floor every night. No. No, thank you. I just watched a a video where (laughs) they were back in the brewer room, and he opened up the, um, I don't know what you call it, but the wheel Mm, thing. Yeah, that was here. That was here in Omaha. Was that here? Yeah. Where was that? That was... Or should we not say? I think that was Brickway. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, because it like it went all out. It looked like real foamy. Yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. was I think a brickway a couple weeks ago. That's they, awesome. They said it like went all over the women's restroom because it was I guess right, right by there, right behind the wall there. Yeah, and it was hot too. That's why the guy stepped out of it the way like a little steaming, bit. Steaming, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was here in Omaha. That yep. video. Hmm. So the the last little bit of of info. So two two different locations. They're in Chicago and Philadelphia now. Uh, last little bit here is sadly in 2011, Goose Island sold to Anheuser Busch for 38.8 million dollars. I feel like they could have got more money than that. I think nowadays. So too. Nowadays, yes. So only 2011. So maybe if you just hung on just a little. Man, bit that's longer. a long. That's probably one of the first major sellouts. Yes. Of this, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to call it that, purchase it and like build your brewery up and then sell it, make mm-hmm. a bunch of money. I don't hold it against them though. I get it. I totally do, right? And yeah. he did what he wanted to do. He became Chicago's beer. Goose Island yeah. is Chicago's Check beer. Check that off the box mm-hmm. there. As much as there's, you know, Budweiser and, you know, Wrigley Field is, you know, just, just covered in Budweiser or whatever, there's there's plenty of Goose Island there, too. Um, you can you can get it There's Goose Island at everywhere. Kauffman Stadium. Royals yeah. play. Saw it there. Virtually every. I don't blame him one bit. Do I like that they sold the InBev? Meh. Yeah, but at the end do? of it, in the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect us really. Nope. Well, did the beer change at all? I wouldn't think so. Do you remember? Probably, probably distributed more. I can tell you the first time I ever had a Goose Island beer okay. it was in Chicago. Okay. And I went to, uh, I went up there to go to the United Center to go to a U two concert. Okay. So this was around two thousand, two thousand one. Oh, okay. For that tour, way back. Holy cow! Yeah. Was and that the? Uh... It was at a steakhouse. It was like a kind of a famous steakhouse. Harry Carey's. It wasn't that one, mm. but it was something like that. Like they had caricatures on the walls, oh. famous celebrities, Chicago celebrities and mm-hmm. sports people and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like what you think of like a fancy steak place to be. Sure. And we went with, it was me and my, my wife now, mm-hmm. and then uh, two people that we worked with. We went up there and I had Goose Island for the very first time. And I think it was their Belgian white. So their wheat beer basically. Oh, okay. Because it had gooses on the tap handles. Mm-hmm. Very 
they still have that, right? Yep. And that was the first time I ever had it. That was also the most expensive meal of my entire life. <laughs> like the steak that I had was like a hundred dollar steak, and this what? is in two thousand. What? So I remember that very well. Our tab was like six hundred and thirty dollars. Wow. We were like, "Oh my god!" We all ordered the special. <laughs> Woo! That was special, Dolan. Yikes. Wow! Still paying for that, by the way. Yikes. What kind of steak was it? I don't remember that. It was made of gold. I was too scared to chew it. I think <laughs> Japanese wagyu. Yeah. yeah. I, no, I think it was just a plain old steak, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, that was the first time I ever had, and I remember that very well. Hmm. They, uh, if you go to their brewery, uh, uh, the, the main brewery, the one that has doubled in size, 143,000 square feet it is a monster. Uh, on, the, on the one big roll-up door, it, it reads, we don't need to be the, the only beer you drink. We just want to be the best beer you drink. Well, I mean, that's, you know, sounds good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, you got to have, you don't want to make junk. They still own, they still own who they are. John Hall is still the CEO. Greg, his brother, left. And, What's he doing? Do uh, he so he started the money. The, and... uh, yeah, he took the money and ran. Yeah. No, he started a cider company that then sold to InBev later, too. So <laughs> Why not? They got yeah. a sister or another brother that's working on seltzers, and then sure. they'll just all be set. Why not? <laughs> hey, you know what? Money's money, right? And that's... Hey, the, the Natty Light seltzer just hit the area the other day around uh, here. Good Lord. Mm. Sounds, I don't know. Everybody oh. says it's good. Let's we'll see. Don't... Hit me with some uh, with some October Here's some October stuff. Knowledge. I, there's a few things I wanted to, to do some research on, so I'm going to save a couple of those. But just as okay. just brief top level stuff, mm-hmm. there really are two styles of beer that we would call Oktoberfest. Okay, there's this style, which is Marson, mm-hmm. right? Which is this caramely color. It's a maltier flavor. It's sweet. Um, it's a little bit bitter, but not much. Right. Okay. And then there's the version that they actually drink at Oktoberfest. And that is basically a lager. It's like a Hellas lager. That's what they drink in Munich at Oktoberfest. Really? So this is junk. This is nothing. We could dump this out. This what? is not what you would go. If we went to Germany this year on September 16th. Okay. And we drank big liters of uh-huh. Oktoberfest beer. Uh-huh. We'd be able to see right through it. It wouldn't be this at nope. all. Nope. It would be a cross drain Hellas lager. Okay. Bernstein Bear or whatever they call that. Bernstein Bernstein Burr. Very similar to that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's what it is. So we've Americanized it. We like sweetness. Yep. So that's okay. this is the style that we do. Um, originally, 100 and something, I think it started 1810 was the first time they had a beer fest mm-hmm. in Munich. It was, uh, the beers were Dunkel, so darker than this. Oh, wow. Right? And that's, and then they started getting lighter malts and lighter malts and lighter malts. And then 180 years later, they're drinking clear beer for wow. Oktoberfest. Probably because you drink so much of it, and if you drink a lot of this, you'd be pretty hammered by noon. Maybe. Okay. But I think it's the same alcohol amount. I mean, this is only 5.7. The Hellas Lager would be a, like a... Yeah, it's like 5.5 five probably. Okay. It's, so it's not so much less. about alcohol, it's just more about changing tastes and appearances, I think. Mm. Just the look of the beer. But this is the st- this is what homebrewers decided to make, this style. Okay. And that's what has become the commercial Oktoberfest beer we see here. Hmm. So Marzen's is a style that they make all year round. Technically, this is a beer style that you could make any time. So I could get this in the summer? Depending on who's making it. Now, most pla- most places only brew it to tie up with this time of the year. Mm-hmm. This is one of the few beers where it's um, not so much seasonal, but like on a calendar. Okay. It's brewed for, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. Um, so... You, in theory, you could get a Mars in any time 
it's not like there's some rule that says you can't brew this right now, right? So yep. it's just a marketing thing for us. Um, and over there at Munich, at the actual thing, there are six official breweries that are allowed to make beer for the Oktoberfest. Okay. And these are ones you've probably had or would know about, but it's Polliner, mm-hmm. Spaten. Yes. The one that Mr. Sp- Mr. Spees was telling us today, Hacker Shore. Hacker Shore. P-S-E-H-O-R-R. Okay. Augustiner. Okay. Hofbrau mm-hmm. and Lowenbrau. Lowenbrau. Yep, that's the sixth one. With the uh, with the Lions. Mm-hmm. My, yeah. da- my dad drank Lowenbrau. That was a big beer around the 70s that was yeah. here. 70s and 80s. Huh. And you could still find it every once in a while. You've seen them uh, in the little kegs. You'll see that around this time of year you can find a little keg of low and brow interesting beer so those are the six breweries that make oktoberfest beer hmm. for munich for the oktoberfest and those are like the only legit official ones the germans are weird about how they have the rules and the well they're the ones that came up with the beer rules I they're guess. the ones that said this is the standards that has to meet to to be considered these sites of beers they've been the ones making beer for 600 years i guess you've been doing it that long you can make up some rules mm-hmm no, that's fine. They, they're responsible for virtually every style of beer that we've drank so far already. It seems like that, or it's you know been a spread of something. It's mm-hmm. been a we've deformed it in a way to make it American. We love to do that, change it up a little bit. Of course, there are probably not a whole lot of milkshake IPAs in Munich, Germany, <laughs> but boy, you can go around here and find a bunch. So yes. All right, so I like to do unexpected research, and I gave you just just a tease of Goose Island. Yep. So I'm going deep cuts on you a little bit. I'm Ooh. going to Chicago oh. because this is where this is from, and one of my favorite things to, to talk about is music, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, to me, Chicago mm-hmm. is where Wilco's from. Oh. Wilco the band. There's a lot of people out there that do not that are not familiar with Wilco. That's because they're not that big. I yep. mean, they're kind of big. I would consider them. I think they've embraced this term, but they are the quintessential dad rock band. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like really good instrumental playing. Um, their guitar player Nels Klein is basically an alien that came here from the outer space and was able to play guitar in a way that is un- unbelievable, mm. and I cannot comprehend it. That you can watch him um, play the stuff he does, and in the way he does, he is a genius, like certifiable genius yeah. when it comes to guitar. Don't you, you're a Wilco fan? You like Wilco? I have no clue who Wilco is. Oh my God, get out of here. Oh, geez. Wow. So here's the thing about Wilco. I'll He's, just give you the short, and this isn't right. even the topic I'm really covering. I am but definitely going to check them out after this, though. I got I got you hooked he, up. He's not right. a dad, so I, we, I think we can but give him a pass. that's okay. We'll give right. him a pass. Yeah. But here's the thing. They started out as an alt-country band. Weird. They were in a... Jeff Tweedy's the main songwriter for Wilco, mm-hmm. and he was in a band called Uncle Tupelo with another guy. I've heard of this. So in the mid... 90s uh-huh. they had a couple albums out and they were getting some popular um some songs that were popular mm-hmm. they did a song um that's credited with a magazine called no depression so it's like an alt country mag music mag that's been around forever and ever and ever and it's like a genre of tunes now uh then that band broke up and they split off and um one guy went to make the band Sonvolt, and the other guy went to wilco and that's Jeff Tweedy. I love Sunvolt too. That was, that was a great band. And they're, and they're still around. Yeah. So I'm talking about Wilco today specifically for the album Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. 
And you'll see why in just a second. Yankee Hotel. Foxtrot. Foxtrot. Yes. So do you know what that means, where it comes from? Y-H-F. Yeah. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Y-H-F. No. So it's from something that they called a numbers station. Okay. Which is basically a way back in the day that they would send either military or other messages. They were coded. Mm -hmm. So words meant other things. So as long as you knew what the meaning of the thing was, you could talk to somebody about something. Okay. So there's a secret thing you want to tell me, mm-hmm. and you know somebody's listening, then you have code words for something else. So oh. there were these recordings, and they would play them on stations, and there's like compilations of them, and, and for some reason, Jeff Tweedy was listening to it, <laughs> and on one of them, this lady just says, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, like four times in a row, and he's like, hmm, good album name. Oh, album name. Do we know what it meant? Uh, No. Nobody really knows what it means. <laughs> I was just waiting for that. It's just a code. It was a coded phrase that nobody nobody knows. Bomb the Germans. Could be something like that. Maybe. Or it could have been pick up Popeye's chicken sandwiches. Mm, possibly that too. Um, this was their fourth album, and it was their biggest album of all time. Okay. And, and this is why you don't know about them. They only sold about 600,000 copies of this record. So it's certified gold. It's not even a platinum. Yeah, okay. It's uh, reached number 13 on the Billboard charts. Okay. Number 493 out of the best 500 albums of all time. It's kind of how I found out about Wilco. They'd had three albums before that were very alt-country, and that wasn't my scene mm-hmm. at that point in time. Uh, and then with this one, it was all over everywhere. And I was like, all right, well, this is... Every magazine I subscribe to says this is the best album of the year. I'm going to pick it up. Sure. I listened to it a couple times, and I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> no, there's one song on it that was cool, and I was like, this isn't for me. And then their next album, I checked that out, and then I was like, whoa, mind blown. My yeah. whole, ch- everything changed about it, and uh, I've been a Wilco fan ever since. Did you go back to the old, to the original one you listened oh, yeah. to, and like listen to it like, with different ears? I mean, is that a yeah. different, okay. I mean, this is, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird to see their progression of music, because it starts out real alt-country, mm-hmm. and then it kind of crests here, and then this Nels Klein guy I was talking about joins the band, and this other guy leaves the band, mm-hmm. and they become like an experimental band. Mm. And then there's some like nine minute songs with six minutes of instrumentals in the middle with some lyrics that don't make a whole lot of sense. And uh, it's oh, it's so great. Hmm. I love it. Okay, okay. So on their album cover, there is a picture of it's like an upward shot like this of Marina City. The Towers. Okay. Uh-huh. You know what that is? I've heard of it. Yes. So that's actually what my research is. Okay. Because it's in Chicago. So That was a windy road to get it to It is, that. but I wanted to I wanted to sneak Wilco in. Okay. Because that's how we're getting here. Yeah. Uh, Marina City, if you've ever watched, like, a, I, I see it all the time when they do the NBA games, mm-hmm. if they're in Chicago, uh, on TNT, they'll always show, like, a cityscape shot, right, yes. at nighttime when they come yep. back from the commercials. It's always on the river, mm-hmm. and they always can see those towers. Yes. The Marina City Towers. Is so it the one with the two with the two yep. spiky things? They look like corn cobs, up? basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is that's what I did research on. That's why it sounds familiar. Because I think it is so cool, and it's on the river tours. If you ever go to Chicago, and you're by the Loop, that's right yes. where this is. Which I would highly suggest. We've done the boat tours. You went um, right past this. I would highly suggest this. Uh, it was designed by like a world famous architect. His name was Bertrand Goldberg, and he won an award for this. Um, design mm-hmm. started working on it in 1959. Uh, the design for it and it was completed in 1967. Okay. So that's when people were starting to kind of move in. 59 to 67, so eight years. Yeah. Okay. Um, the thing about it was it was a way to they they called it 
they were trying to stop white flight. So white people were living in downtown Chicago post-war. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then by the 50s, like everywhere, suburbs started happening, mm-hmm. right? And people with money and houses were leaving to get more space. They didn't want to live in an apartment or whatever. They wanted to go out and have a yard and a grill and all that sort of stuff. That's the American dream now. Mm, White picket fence. Exactly. So this was a a way that was intended to make it so that those sorts of folks and professionals wouldn't want to leave downtown Chicago. Okay. Um, It's basically billed as a city within a city. And Mm. that's why it's called Marina City. So it's got two towers. So everything I'm going to tell you is duplicated. Right? So it's the same in this one as it is in this one. Okay. Uh, and then there's five buildings total. So there's the two towers. Mm-hmm. There was an, an amphitheater, like auditorium in the middle. There was a movie theater. And then there was another building that housed, like, um, in the wintertime, they had, a like, a skating rink on the top. Oh. And then below it, there's the river access to the actual marina. So if you lived there, you had a little boat. You could keep it hmm. right there. The design of this building was basically so you would never have to leave it. Hmm. There was office building inside of it. Mm-hmm. They had uh, movie theaters. They had grocery store. They had retail stores. They had swimming pool. They had bowling alleys. Anything you'd want to do was in this building. Had um, I would want to live there. Like 10 floors of parking was the first 10 floors of the building. Okay. And then after that, there's 50-something floors of apartments. Mm-hmm. So there's, let's see, I wrote it down, I think. There's 900 total apartments. Jeez. And when they first moved into it, which was 65, that was the first time people moved into it. Okay. Um, and it was like state of the art at that point in time. I bet. Was this all city owned or did somebody... Just some company decided. Some it was company. like, um, it was actually some unions, like uh, construction unions are the ones that funded this. Imagine To basically, that. A, get some jobs. Yeah. And B, have, you know, something to claim that they built in this area. Uh, it was also a way to try to make it less industrial at that point in time. The river was basically trashed mm-hmm. and it was all like, like factories and mm-hmm. not a place that anybody would really want to hang out. So they were trying to like change the vibe of, of Chicago in that spot. Unions in Chicago, that never happened. That's probably the mob <laughs> back in that time too with this. <laughs> Who knows? Sure. Um, the thing I thought was kind of cool about it at that time, it was the tallest residential building in the world. Like people that lived in it. Oh. Because it was up 60 something floors high, right? Mm-hmm. It was also the tallest, like, reinforced concrete building. So there's no steel. It's all Chicago concrete, is what builds this towers. Concrete and rebar. Yeah. Wow. There's no, like, steel beams or anything like that. Hmm. Um, and then it was just until, like, maybe two years later, another design was like, you know what? We're just going to do what you did, but double it. And that's how it worked. Oh. So then it was short lived that they were the tallest, but they were, like, the mm. first. Okay. Had two TV stations broadcasting off the top of the building because yep. it was so tall, and okay. a radio station as well. Um, let's see, what was the other thing that was cool? Oh, yeah. The parking is still there, the parking spots. Okay. So if you work in that area, you can pay monthly parking and park in this thing. Parking in Chicago is hell. So right. this is probably very beneficial. They're exposed. So there's not, you can like, you could drive off of it. <laughs> it's just like a ledge, right? It's, well, and it's like a basically, it looks like a honeycomb of parking spots, and you're whoa. just driving up, and then you park, huh. face forward, and then back out and, and drive back down. Well, uh, but there's been a few cars that have, did, yeah, went went off the edge. <laughs> um, the 61st story, I think, is the top that you can get to. 
Um, there's some, you know, like the TV towers and stuff above that, but mm-hmm. there's a 360 degree deck that's up there, open air oh. at the very top. Um, 1977, it switched from apartments to condos. Okay. But it was like, if you picture 1960s America mm-hmm. and the, the look of that and the like modern design, this mm-hmm. is what this whole thing was. Hmm. It's like a, basically a museum. And the thing that I like about it is still very similar to that. So the outside is the same and the inside is kind of like if you're into that vintage and modern look, mm-hmm. you try to live here on mm. purpose. You're not, nothing, hardly any of the apartments are updated. No. Oh. So they still have a lot of the same stuff from the 60s, and that's the vibe. Interesting. And that, that brings a certain type of person to live there, and mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. That is super cool. Uh, some of the other things that are interesting about these apartments, there's no right angles inside of them. What? Because it's built in this, basically a circle. It's built in a pie shape. Uh, okay. So like yeah. Trivial Pursuit, if consider it three pieces, mm-hmm. so thirds. Mm-hmm. That's the shape of the apartments. Hmm. They have circular hallways that go around the elevators. So the elevator's in the middle of the building. Sure. And then everything goes out around it. That makes sense. So like this Weird. is the elevator. These are the apartments. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, there's 16 per floor apartments. Okay. And each one has 175 square foot circular semicircular balcony and that's the huge selling point oh yeah i mean that's a that's a huge it's a big balcony. balcony yeah there are people that are still living there today they're like we don't even know what to do with all this space especially in chicago yeah the because of the design the living room and the bedroom all have um balconies it's just a window wall so your bedroom has it and your living room has this view nice. so even in the winter time you can see it um, the laundry room was on like the 40th floor. There's a laundry room and a gym. Okay. And they say that's the best view of any laundry room in the world because it's right <laughs> on the loop. You can see all the way downtown Chicago. Like you can see the, um, oh, what's the famous street of like shopping, whatever that's called. The, uh, Gold Coast or yeah. the uh, Michigan Avenue. Yeah. You can see like the Navy pier and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. love um, me some Navy pier. It says like it has the best view in the world for yep. laundry room. Um, <laughs> and it's ceiling to floor window. On that wall. So awesome. everybody has amazing views. That's awesome. Uh, it's 1700 bucks right now. That's the most current I could find for a one bedroom. Oh. Which doesn't seem like that in crazy Chicago, to that's me. really not that crazy. No. Um, I wrote down 70% of the, of, of the 900 are one bedrooms. 20% are studios and only 10% are two bedrooms. Oh. So you're not having like families live here. Nope. It's going to be like a single professional person mm-hmm. yep, or, you know, a married couple with no kids. That's kind of who's living in these places. Yep. Um, the research I did found five people from the original. I lost the microphone. There it came back. Um, five people from the original move-in mm-hmm. from the 60s to now were still, still living there. Still live there. So, yeah. So they never moved out. Wow. I don't know if it was like rent protected, like New York City or anything, but <laughs> that'd be pretty cool if those, it was. Those five people are still paying like 400 bucks a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. They're still just, yeah, exactly. Why would you ever move? Grandfathered in. Yep. So there's people that have moved to Chicago just to live in this building. One of them is a architecture photographer. Okay. Um, one of them was like an art installation person, like hmm. he did famous art stuff. And uh, the one of the guys, the photographer has a book out. And he documented as many of the apartments as he could, like recently within the last five years, mm-hmm. to show what the inside style looks like versus the outside, and how how it has changed and how it hasn't, and just to show the contrast between like let's say you and me move in there and we gut the whole place and 
Yep. We've got our big plasma screen TVs and all that, or LEDs, I guess they would be now or whatever. But, right. Um, then there's the next door neighbor is paint countertop, pink stove, yes. no TV, yeah. only a turntable, that sort of, so it's like a time machine, basically, this, this whole complex is. That's cool. There's at least one documentary about this that I've found and seen, and it's pretty cool, and that's, that's where I heard about it was mm-hmm. on, like, on PBS. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I thought was kind of cool about it was nowadays it's very commercialized. Instead of the movie theater that was in-house, it's a House of Blues now in okay. Chicago. Mm-hmm. So it, they have a lot of shows there and like famous people play, which I think, I don't know if it was B.B. King owns part of that. I think he does. Interesting. Um, House of Blues, there's a hotel. It's just called Hotel Chicago, so you can stay there, mm-hmm. which would be pretty sweet. I'd That'd like to cool. do that. It's like a boutique hotel, not very many rooms. Mm-hmm. There's something called Ten Pin Bowling, which is like hipster bowling, it looked like, from what I could tell on their website. And mm-hmm. there's four restaurants. Three of them were very fancy, and the other one was like Dick's Last Resort. Yeah. That yeah. was the fourth, which no. I feel like is a probably tourist. Very touristy. Thing. And then this tower, like I said, it showed up on the Wilco album in 2002. And uh, it's also when an album cover from Sly and the Family Stone from 1971, hmm. Riot going on. So those are some of the pop cultural spots and music. And then if you watch the Bob Newhart show from the 70s where he's like the psychologist. Yes. Um, the beginning credits of his show show this building as well as the current show, Chicago PD shows it in the background so oh. you'll see it there interesting um but yeah long story short it's cool go check it out i want to visit this place <laughs> if you now. like like 50s and 60s architecture and that mm-hmm. vintagey sort of feel um then this is something you want to look at just to find the vintage pictures i was looking at today yep i was like oh i wish i could if there was like a time machine where you could go and, and just see it just for a little bit that yep. i would go to this place for sure hmm. so that's I had no idea. What I know. I, I mean, I'm, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly where it is. I've driven past it a hundred times. Yeah. I had no idea the Designated story. Uh, one of the top 100 Chicago landmarks or something like that. Mm. So it's like a protected building now. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it still, still functions today. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's what I know about Marina City. And I bet they drink some Goose Island there. I, I would guess you could get it at the House of Blues. <laughs> The last little, the last little bit of information that ties back to kind of what we do here is, I, I thought this was super interesting. So, ten Goose Island veterans have left to start other breweries. That's quite a few. That sounds like uh, Arius. It, exactly right. Right. That's exactly what Parallels, I thought about. Yeah. So, could you guess maybe some of these that have have left? One or two, like I think you could probably get one or well, two. Well, I don't know the name, like, the brewery names or people's names. The brewery names, the brewery oh, names. Oh, what's I'm that sorry. one? Revolution. Exactly. Yes, yeah, got to be ding, one ding, of ding. them. Uh, what's the one that ma- that makes Corey Anderson's favorite beer? Mm, not Juice Pants. No, not the that place one. that makes Juice Pants. No. Well, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not sure. If you're in Chicago and you can get your hands on some Juice Pants, if you can get your hands in the pants, do it. Mm. And son of pants. And son of Juice Pants. That oh, one's really good too. Yeah. Sounds dirty, but it's, gonna, it's not. It's going to set you back like 10 bucks a can. Yeah. But. Well, you're in Chicago. You're in what, Chicago. What uh, I don't know. This what is else? all great advice. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> what else would you. I don't know. I don't know that many Chicago breweries. I don't ever go there anymore. Firestone Walker? Really? Yeah. I didn't know they not were Not a from Chicago there. brewery, I don't think. But oh, yeah. Um, but he left to go there. I think it's in California. But Dude left, yeah. Okay. Uh, Southern Tier. Really? Hmm. Yep. Southern Tier? Yes. Well, I guess this was a time when this was becoming the 
besides Sam Adams, this was really the biggest craft brewery in America. That makes sense. Yep. Southern uh, tier, wow. Then you said Revolution, which is interesting. Revolution, if you're in Chicago, we'll do a Revolution beer here pretty soon. But okay. if you're there, this is definitely one you should go. You yeah. should go check out this beer. Their label on their cam work is just amazing. Oh. Their artwork is so cool. And their beer is it's pretty, pretty top notch. Yeah. And then uh, Fremont Brewing, which I've heard of. I don't know if I've ever tried any of hmm. theirs. I know of Fremont. I don't know if that's them, but there's one that makes really good stouts. So Goose Island Oktoberfest uh, on the old untapped. Let's 61,000 check-ins. That's quite a few, but not not as many as some we've had. You checked this in back in 2013. Six years ago. ago. I'm going to guess it's probably changed a little bit since then. Oh, if it was high, it probably has changed. At Henry's on the South? Where's Henry's on the South? Oh, it's in Lincoln. Let's go look. It was an Oktoberfest I went to. Yeah. So they had this beer. They had like 10 or 12 different ones. Okay. It's a little uh, mom and pop like strip mall shopping center in Lincoln. It's right next to Leon's Grocery Store, which has the best steaks in Lincoln. If you're going to grill steaks, go there. Um, and there was a ticket. It was like 10 bucks to get in. Okay. And then you still had to buy your beers, but they had food and they had polka music. And hmm. so, yeah, that I know exactly when this was. Hmm. So also, this was also the year... Yeah, this was the first year they had it there. The second year was the last year they had it there. <laughs> this is a super interesting description. Toffee and burnt sugar aromas. Mm-hmm. So I guess, yeah. Flavors yeah. of sweet, dried apricots, and mild, earthy bitterness that is the hallmark of Hallerto. Hallerto hops. Hallerto hops. Medium bodied, medium carbonation. A dry malt body delivers sweet, dried fruit flavors complemented with an earthy bitterness. Well, Dolan's had a little bit more than a little carbonation. His was pretty bubbly. His was bubbly. Been, mm-hmm. Could have been the pour. That was the pour. A pour, 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 <laughs> pour. 61,000 check-ins, what do you think? What did I rate it as? You three, rated four. it three, five. Yeah, I'll stand you by that, three, actually. I said three, four. Yeah, three, three four. four. You're close. It's 3.54. Yeah. So, right on it. Yeah, that's. I think that's where I would rate this again. It's it's drinkable. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad that I have some. Yep. If I was in an airport and it was you know seven thirty in the morning and I'm going to Vegas, yep, uh, I would drink this. Now I'm not going to go to the store and buy a six pack of it right now. Mm. I would get uh, there's a couple other ones mm. that I would do. Um, we're not going to try it for the show, but I will I will throw a plug out there. Okay, this is also a pretty it's a macro, but it's still craft I believe. Okay, Sierra Nevada is Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. That thing is legit. This year is way better than last year. Really? I was going to say I saw it on the shelf yesterday two days ago. Yeah. i just saw it on the shelf yesterday for the I first time i saw it on my beer shelf in my fridge this <laughs> yesterday and today so you can find it there what's going on Are we getting uh, something was beeping at us hmm. well it, it it looks to be about that time yeah it does i don't look want to be that time. i don't want you to get in trouble so well, yeah well you know you're the boss right i guess so yeah <laughs> i'm not too worried then all right we got time for one more brian yeah let's do this huh we ain't going anywhere for a while Let's have another beer, an Oktoberfest beer. Another Oktoberfest beer. All right. Thank you for listening to A Beer with Atlas. Special thanks to our brand team for producing the show. Each episode of A Beer with Atlas is powered by Atlas Medstaff, an industry leader in travel healthcare staffing.